The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We pick a message for the community every morning at our morning prayer when we first gather. This morning's message was November 25th, 2008. Dear children, also today I call you in this time of grace to pray for little Jesus to be born in your heart. May he, who is peace itself, give peace to the entire world through you. Therefore, little children, pray without ceasing for this turbulent world without peace, so that you may become witnesses of peace for all. May hope begin to flow through your hearts as a river of grace. Thank you for ever responding to my call. The words, therefore, little children, pray without ceasing for this turbulent world without peace, said November 25th, 2008, tells us something. Because if she was defining that in our real time of 2008 as turbulent world and where we are today, what do we think of next year and the next that comes to us? We know we're in a time of passing. We know things as we know it will not continue. Our Lady told us, I am here to teach you truth. Why is that necessary? Why do we need to learn truth? Don't we have truth? I mean, we're enlightened people scientifically. We're enlightened people politically. We're enlightened people monetarily. We're enlightened people agriculturally. We know everything, but we don't know anything. Our priest talked the other day from the pulpit about, I think it was his brother, who said he's retired now, and he has an enormous amount of time. We have an enormous amount of knowledge. 
But he went on to say, I have an enormous amount of time, and it seems like I get nothing done anymore. See, there's no structure in his life in retirement. There's no go. There's no agenda. And we've got a culture walking with no agenda, no path to take, which way to go. We just accept everything. Well, if that's what they want to do, what can I say? That's the problem. There's nothing being said. Have you heard any truth about all the refugees coming in from our bishops or priests? Have you had any of them say, don't let them in? I haven't. Call me if you have heard that from a bishop. I'd like to know that. I'd like to know that bishop. See, they're so entangled in the social justice side of things. Well, we can't stop that. Yes, you can stop it. Out of compassion, you can stop it. As that's too harsh to make a statement such as that. Where's our American values? Where's our compassion? With the American people and with America itself to be the shining star that it can be that can help people even in an ideological way to strive to be what we should be, of which we're not. Because we're following untruth. So when Elias says, I've come here to teach you truth, there's no truth being given about these refugees. Not at all from our puppets. Except, well, we have to accept that. We have to let them come in. No, we don't. It's not unchristian not to do so. And anybody that professes that does not know truth. They think they know truth, but they don't. And so they can't make decisions because this is what I lady said. I've come to teach you truth so that you may know how to discern. Discern what? To discern what's happening in the world today and the escalation of what's happening because we don't know how to discern because we don't know the truth of the situation. We're causing a greater and harder and worse problem for more people. Our lady told the visionaries when they were being treated unjustly, our lady gave... The statement, there's always been injustices in the world. So there's going to be injustice in Syria. There's going to be injustices all over the world. You're going to have that. You can't fix those things. But you have to preserve something in justice that other people can come to justice, not through immigration, but through immigration and assimilation. We require no assimilation in this country. And this is a bad, bad problem. And we got a bad Bad president. I just got to reading four different psychological statements on Obama. He's got a disorder, narcissistic disorder. And he lies to himself. He lies to the people. I got a clip from Obama's statement when he's rampaging or actually taunting the Republicans. And I'm not saying... This shows about parties because I'm not, I'm just as sick as the Republicans as everybody else is, all the politicians. But his rant is against them for them taking a view that he calls as un American. 30 of those 31 governors who are saying they don't want the Syrian refugees in their states are Republicans. The president is accusing them of political posturing. Overnight in Manila, President Obama expressed outrage at Republican calls to keep Syrian refugees out of the United States. When candidates say we want to admit three-year-old orphans, that's political posturing. We should have a religious test and that only Christians, proven Christians, should be admitted. That's offensive and contrary to American values. Amazing. Many people don't know truth includes the president. They don't know how to discern. But he doesn't want truth. And much of the church and our puppets don't want to speak the truth. And because they don't know it, they don't know how to discern. So Obama's talking about a religious test to let Christians in. I think, and I, I don't think, I believe that Christians out of Syria should be allowed to come before anybody else comes. They're the ones been most persecuted, ruthlessly crucified, and, and also above Muslims coming in here. 
This is a Christian nation. Why should we not welcome Christians first? If any at all, if we can't verify that, which we can't at this point, you can't let anybody in. We had 2,098 Syrian Muslims come in, and out of that, only 53 are Christians. And the media and everybody thinks about, oh, we want to put a criteria over Christians, just solely Christians. They should get the higher play because they can't practice a Christianity in a Muslim country, not even in Saudi Arabia, which is more friendly to the United States of America. So why would we not favor them? No apologies to be offered. They're being slaughtered. That's right. And we got 2,000 Muslims in. And we got 53 only that probably slipped in as Christians. There's a report that says, despite President Obama's sanctimonious proclamation Monday that America does not have a religious test when it comes to admitting refugees into America, the actual math appears to show the complete opposite is true. CNN, who looked at the data, had only 53 Christian refugees were allowed in America compared to 2,098 Muslims. Our government has given willingly over the organizations to control this immigration that are corrupt. This report says about those Republicans who suggest we bring in Syrian refugees who are Christians, the president raised, we don't have religious tests to our compassion. We do not close our hearts to those victims and such violence and somehow start equating the issues of refugees with the issues of terrorism. Why not? He says a three-year-old orphan and woman or women, widows. In Paris, a woman just blew herself up. Yesterday in Nigeria, a team of women with suicide vests goes into a market and kills a bunch of people. Those are women. And so we're supposed to let them in. We're going to trust them because they're a woman or a child that's five or six or seven, eight. You know they're murdering people at that age. You're going to hear it before this show's over. Some other things that's alarming, very frightful. This report says, according to the actual numbers through the president, he's lying. We do have a religious test, and for plausible deniability, one that is administrated by the United Nations. And as a result, those refugees being discriminated are Christians, and they are the most victimized persecuted in Syria. It's a lie. And we go along with it. We accept it. Or many of you may say, well, I know there's a problem. Why is the church not speaking out for justice in this? To stop our borders, to preserve our nation. It's the logic of, well, I'm going to send my kids to public school. They're only in fourth grade, but they need to be a witness to all the pagans there. The Christians went into communities to preserve their way of life, to propagate it. And those who watched them from outside that community, when they went in public, said, see how they love one another? I want to be like that. We've assimilated with the unassimilated to come to their ground and their ways who want to conquer us. And because we don't know the truth, we don't know how to discern a decision like, we're going to stop this. Barbara Walters comes down on, on Donald Trump. He asked him a question and just as Obama said what he said, Christians, a little while ago, with contempt, he didn't just say, well, you're going to let just Christians in. No, he said this with contempt. He says like a snake. Barbara Walters compares the same thing real softly. Are we going to let Christians, are we supposed to let Christians like a test? There's no test. The only test is if they're Christian, they can't get in. It's just the opposite. If you knew truth, you could discern this. So you hear on this clip that Trump actually says, yes, the superiority of people who come in here should be Christians. I think that's a pretty good statement. But it's also got the logic that we can't verify anything. And so if we can't, why are we risking our nation? Some people are saying that only Christian, not Muslim refugees from Syria 
should be allowed in? Should we make that test? The problem is we don't know if they're Christian or not. And I would certainly say that would be superior. But we don't know if they're Christian or not. We have no idea who the people are. They have no papers. They have no paperwork. You can get forged documents very easily in Syria. You can see how she said this. There are people out there saying, only Christians, nobody's saying that. In fact, Trump is the first one I've ever heard say that. That, yeah, they should, they should get superiority. Why not do that? You say, oh, that's not Christian. No, we look after our own first. And through looking at our own, we can look at everybody else. But we're a Christian nation. The only place you can practice Christianity or could, I mean, they're eroding this as quick as they can, to be where we can't do that. And so we don't have to make apologies to anybody. But she puts it in the context, Barbara Walters, oh, it's a test. No, there's been no test done. Nobody's actually calling for it. I'm calling for it. Trump just called for it. We need to be calling for it. Let Christians in, but if we can't verify that, let nobody in. Well, you're about to hear, if you have any doubts of what I'm saying, if you hear truth or you understand truth and you can see through it, you'll discern exactly what I'm saying the same way. So we're about to play you a clip that was on PBS, Public Broadcasting Network, that goes into these three-year-olds and what they're being taught and why should we even be concerned about that? And while you think about this, what is your children, your teenagers, your college-age students doing to be ready? Because there's other people around the world, by the thousands, tens of thousands, being readied for what this next generation will have to deal with. So listen with this, with discernment and with thoughtfulness. Ajibola Qureshi is heading into dangerous territory in Kunar province, eastern Afghanistan. For more than a decade, Najibullah has covered the war between the Taliban and the American-led coalition. Now he is investigating a new story. with the Taliban many, many times. But when I first heard about ISIS in Afghanistan, I was shocked. I, I, I was thinking why ISIS in Afghanistan, what they are doing in my country. They are completely different than the Taliban. They are not after one country or one place or one district. Their aim is to, to have their groups, to have their networks all over the world. As ISIS has been fighting for control of territory in Iraq and Syria, it has announced branches and affiliates in at least nine other countries. For the past year, it's been gaining ground in Afghanistan. But no journalist has been able to get inside ISIS territory here and film them in action. The group is notorious for its kidnappings and brutal executions. I was waiting for over eight months to get access to ISIS. I was very excited as a journalist that I was going to meet this group, but I was remembering my wife, my sons. Then I was thinking, maybe you won't come back again. They might kill you, they might kidnap you, they might do something wrong. Najibullah arrives in the district of Shigal. This was once Al-Qaeda and Taliban territory. ISIS gunmen seized control a year ago. Abu Rashid, the most senior commander in the village, used to be a member of the Taliban. But in 2014, after ISIS declared an Islamic state or caliphate in Iraq and Syria, he defected. 
Yes, we were fighting Holy War's Taliban. Our Holy War was just because there was no caliphate then. But God says when there is a caliphate, you must join the caliphate. There is a caliphate now, so we've left the Taliban. We're fighting holy war under caliph's leadership. We want the Islamic system all over the world, and we will fight for it. Though still small in number, ISIS now claims to control territory in several districts across eastern Afghanistan, especially in the provinces of Kunar and Nangahar. Many fighters have defected from other groups because ISIS pays more. The commander told me ISIS offering them $700 per month. Once they join ISIS, they get a normal salary and they can feed their families. Afghanistan is a poor country and they have to do something, they have to work something. And $700 is a lot in Afghanistan. Here, ISIS fighters live among the locals and seem to control every aspect of village life. They take local wives, collect taxes, and even run the village school. The fighters say that all local children are educated by the Islamic State from the age of three. fitna <laughs> The teacher, Abdullah, spends a few minutes explaining the theory of jihad or holy war. Then he moves on to its practice. When the children struggle with his questions, the teacher whispers the answers. دارنگی دشریات 
Sharia law tells us that children should be given all essential skills. So we teach them and give them military training to prepare them in mind and body. So they are set on the right path, and each generation will learn and teach in turn. Yes, of course it's right. As we see from the Prophet's young companions, those companions were vying with each other to take up arms. So this enthusiasm, spirit and desire is in our children and in our women too. Time will show what we can do for God's religion. We are always ready to sacrifice for it. In the fields, the gunmen spread out to avoid attracting attention from American drones. They say that several hundred Afghan ISIS fighters have been killed in targeted strikes since July. The commanders carefully choreograph their interviews with Najibullah. Their message is clear. The Taliban are puppets of Pakistan, whereas ISIS answers only to God. The Taliban take their orders from Pakistani intelligence. Those people don't accept the caliphate. But we are free, and our aim is only to seek God's happiness. We want Islamic law on earth. We answer to no one. We welcome the caliphate. No one knows for sure how many fighters ISIS has in Afghanistan. Afghan officials estimate there are currently a thousand, and that the number is growing. According to Commander Abu Rashid, they are also attracting jihadists from around the world. Yes, thank God, there are foreign fighters across the region. Bashrullah, who is 13, and Naimatullah, who is 17. He says they are training to be ISIS suicide bombers. I told the elders a year ago that I wanted to do it. And I'm ready whenever they give the order. I'm ready now, God willing. The fighters here say they are focused on attacking the Afghan government, not the Taliban. The commander says he wants to use the two teens to kill a pro-government warlord named Jandad. I'll kill Jandad and Kunar and avenge the blood of our fighters. He is a heretic and a slave of infidels. He serves them. He killed our fighters, he jailed my friends and killed prisoners. Yes, I have. Yes, I have practiced that. My commander showed me how. Here in Afghanistan? They're foreigners. Najibullah presses the boys about their foreign trainers. But it seems to be a sensitive subject. What can I tell you? The boys tell Najibullah they are ready to carry out their suicide mission as soon as the order comes. I want to do this for Allah and to avenge our fighters against the unbelievers. Our commanders get their orders from ISIS. 
If they prepare a car bomb, wherever they say do it, I will do it. Yes. No. We're here in Afghanistan. We see all the fighters. We learn from them. God willing, we want to be like them. In the ISIS-held district of Chagall, the group is using many techniques to groom young children to fight and die for the Islamic State. The fighters tell Najibullah they receive propaganda videos directly from ISIS in Syria and Iraq. They say they show the videos to the village children every day. I was asking them why they're watching in front of these young children. They said they should learn, they should know from now. And it's normal for them. The videos don't just show attacks and atrocities. This is an ISIS military school for children somewhere in the Middle East. All these videos, they're just telling them how to kill people, how to behave, and how to become suicide bombers. And their main thing is to kill infidels. This is their aim. And they clearly telling this is in Quran. So what the child believe? What do you think? He think, yes, I'm Muslim, and he's telling me the truth. Najibullah films the Afghan children copying what they've just watched. <laughs> When I saw these young children, I was really, really upset, really sad. I was thinking about Afghanistan future. Afghanistan is next generation. What we have next? These children who learn how to kill people, how to do jihad, how to behave, out of fire, this would be Afghanistan. I was thinking maybe the war will never end. Never. And the people will keep suffering from war. ISIS in Afghanistan may still be in its infancy. But the movement has already shown how quickly it can grow. And its commanders here have grand ambitions for the next generation of ISIS soldiers. The Garden of the Caliphate wants a river of blood from us. Faith and belief demand blood. You must sacrifice to gain eternal life. God will expand this beautiful caliphate everywhere. Our commanders want a river of blood. Isn't that interesting? The message we picked this morning, the opposite of that is, may hope begin to flow through your hearts as a river of grace. 
they said in the school, this warring spirit is in our children and in our women. And Obama says, you're worried about a three-year-old? Did you hear the clicking in the school classroom? Did you hear the voices of the children who were about three years old? These were not older young children. These were children, babies. That clicking that you kept hearing was pistols. This is what they're teaching them. Yet Obama says, When candidates say we wouldn't admit three-year-old orphans, that's political posturing. We should have a religious test and that only Christians, proven Christians, should be admitted. That's offensive and contrary to American values. It's impossible for this president not to know that almost no Syrian Christians are coming in. And it's impossible for him not to know that many of these would be terrorists. You heard of those in this clip that converted over from the Taliban because God wants to spread everywhere this taking over the world for Islam and they want to make God happy. When Israel sinned, it was God who rose up the enemies. The scripture speaks of the Syrians as God's rod. And so these Muslims may even be speaking truth that God wants this. Does he want persecution? Does he want purification? He doesn't want these things. But as the church grows, we must be purified when we grow in untruth without the ability to discern anything. This is an article entitled ISIS, Texas, and Know Your Enemy. It was written by Chris Mitchell on May 5th, 2015, after the attack at the convention center near Dallas that hosted a contest featuring cartoons of the prophet Muhammad. ISIS claimed responsibility for this attack. Chris Mitchell goes on and says, Whether they planned or had a hand in the operation, it marked the first time the Islamic State claimed an attack on U.S. soil. Their claim stamped an exclamation point on this incident. Whether we recognize it or not, ISIS is at war with the United States of America. One retired U.S. general on nationwide TV made the point that the U.S., can't win this war until we recognize our enemy. In war, it's vital to know your enemy and yourself. However, it seems that too many in the West stumble into the fray of this new warfare with radical Islam, knowing neither themselves nor their enemy. U.S. President Barack Obama, in the beginning of America's new chapter of the war with ISIS, addressed the nation on September 10th, 2014. He said, My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak to you about what the United States will do with our friends and allies to degrade and ultimately destroy the terrorist group known as ISIL. With his declared determination to destroy ISIL, the president went on to define this newfound enemy of the United States. He says, Now let's make two things clear. ISIL is not Islamic. No religion condones the killing of innocents, and the vast majority of ISIL's victims have been Muslim, and ISIL is certainly not a state. He labeled this Islamic state as not Islamic. Yet former Muslims, those who grew up under the shadow of Islam for much of their lives, spoke up and respectfully disagreed with the commander-in-chief. It may not be the Islam President Obama once, but they say the religion and practices embraced by the Islamic State come straight from the Quran. One well-known former Muslim, Brother Rashid, hosts a popular program called Daring Questions. His provocative call-in program shown on satellite throughout much of the Muslim world challenges Muslims about what Islam really teaches. Rashid grew up in Morocco as a Muslim, but later in life embraced Christianity. He felt so strongly about President Obama's description of ISIL that he recorded the following rebuttal. Dear Mr. President, with all due respect, sir, 
I must tell you that you are wrong about ISIL. You said that ISIL speaks for no religion. I'm a former Muslim. My dad is an imam. I spent more than 20 years studying Islam. I hold a bachelor's degree in religious studies, and I'm in the middle of my master's degree in terrorism studies. I can tell you with confidence that ISIL speaks for Islam. Allow me to correct you, Mr. President. ISIL is a Muslim organization. Its name stands for Islamic State, so even the name suggests that it is an Islamic movement. Their leader holds a Ph.D. in Islamic studies. I doubt you know Islam better than he does. He was a preacher and a religious leader in one of the local mosques in Baghdad. ISIL's 10,000 members are all Muslims. None of them are from any other religion. They come from different countries and have one common denominator, Islam. They are following Islam's prophet Muhammad in every detail. They imitate him by growing their beards, shaving their mustaches, and in the way they dress. Mr. President, I grew up in Morocco, supposedly a moderate country, yet I still learned at a young age to hate the enemies of Allah, especially Jews and Christians. These are represented today by Israel and the West, especially the great Satan, America. I prayed five times a day, repeating the first chapter in the Quran, asking Allah to lead me not in the way of those who went astray and those who have the wrath of Allah upon them. We all knew that it was Jews and Christians. We have been brainwashed to hate all of you in our sacred texts, in our prayers, in our Friday sermons, in our educational systems. We were ready to join any group that would one day fight you and destroy you and make Islam the religion of the whole world, as the Quran says. This is what I and millions like me have been taught. So do you want to follow the words that flow through the hearts as a river of grace or flow through the hearts a river of blood? It's real clear. We've got to protect our nation. And we're very stupid in opening our borders up. This is not a political question. This is not posturing, as President Obama said. He's got an agenda. It's very clear. And it's warped and it's evil. George Washington, we've talked about this, it's written in American history was in his tent. This was reported in a newspaper back in the 1850s or so, after his death, by a first-hand witness who talked to him after this event happened. But a beautiful woman appeared. A vapor was there, and then a beautiful woman appeared, and she called him the son of the republic. And she showed him three great pearls that would come to the republic. And, of course, the first two have happened. We see those pearls that he saw in this apparition as the Revolutionary War, then the Civil War, and the third pearl is yet to come. And this is what was recorded of Washington's words. It's in the Library of Congress. He's seeing the third pearl. And the woman says, a woman he described as something not of this earth, something with beauty that he had never experienced before. It's not difficult to guess who that might be because she is the patroness of this country. She's our queen. The United States has been used repeatedly to bring about peace in the world and so forth. The Washington words were recorded as this about the third pearl. Again, I heard the voice say, Son of the Republic, look and learn. At this... The dark, shadowy angel placed the trumpet to his mouth and blew three distinct blasts. And taking water from the oceans, he sprinkled it upon Europe, Asia, and Africa. We've been speaking for a while. These regions are exploding with jihad, the Muslim takeovers, and that Europe was going to be taken over. The stage is set for that. France just shows further that that's taking place. So he sprinkled it upon Europe, Asia, and Africa. 
The clip you just heard from PBS says that they're going very rapidly. They're teaching all the schools this, the hidden schools. This next generation, is your children going to be ready to fight this kind of stuff? No, they're in electronics. They're on the sofa. They're in the college. They're looking just for nothing that is going to be tomorrow like it is today. But you got three-year-olds been trained in a different way. And when they grow and take over Europe and Asia and Africa, which they already have basically in Africa, and in other parts of Europe, they're very strong. Asia's having problems. This vision makes sense. Washington continues. He sprinkled it upon Europe, Asia, and Africa. Then my eyes beheld a fearful scene. From each of these countries arose thick black clouds that were soon joined into one. So Europe, Asia, and Africa joins together. And Washington sees it. And throughout this mass, there gleamed a bright red light by which I saw hordes of armed men who, moving with the cloud, marched by land, sailed by sea to America, which country was enveloped in the volume of cloud. And I saw dimly their vast armies devastate the whole country and burn the villages, towns, and cities that I beheld springing up. He's referring to how the nation birthed and sprung up, which is part of the vision in the beginning of it that I didn't read. Washington continues, As my ears listened to the thundering of the cannons and the clashing of the swords, these beheadings take place with knives, swords, and the shouts of cries of millions of mortal in combat, I again heard the mysterious voice say, Son of the Republic, look and learn. As the voice ceased, the shadow of figure of the angel for the last time dipped water from the ocean and sprinkled it upon America. Instantly, the dark cloud rolled back, together with the armies it had brought, leaving the inhabitants of the land victorious. Once more I beheld villages, towns, and cities springing up where I had seen them before. While the bright angel, planting the zero standard he had brought in the midst of them, cried in a loud voice, While the stars remain and the heavens send down the dew upon the earth, so long shall the union last. And taken from her brow, the crown of which was ablazing the word, Union, she, the vision, placed it upon the standard, while the people kneeling down said, Amen. Israel, when they sinned, their enemies was risen up to purify them. Are we there? Do we need purification? Have we got prevalent sin throughout our courts, throughout our system? That has come about by our mediocre living Christianity? Washington continues, The scene instantly began to fade away, and I saw nothing but the rising curling vapor I had first beheld. This also disappeared. And I find myself once more gazing upon the mysterious visitor who said, Son of the Republic, what you have seen is thus interpreted. Three great pearls will come upon the Republic. The most fearful is the third. But the whole world united should not prevail against her. Let every child of the Republic learn to live for God, his land, and the Union. With these words, the angels vanished from my sight. And they're teaching their children. And let every child learn to live for God. And they live for God in a radical way they live. Are they the rod of Assyrians like God rose up? There's only one explanation, one discernment of this truth. Look, my dear children, which way the world is going. That was last week's show. It's called It's Madness. Re-listen to it again and re-listen to this in continuation of that. We're facing a great peril. 
one that only Christ can solve, not anybody else, not any other religion. Quit apologizing from the pulpits and the diocese or in the political offices, your companies and your businesses, your corporations, that we have to give play to people whose play on the football field now that they're playing is to destroy everything except Islam. We deserve what we're getting right now, and we deserve what's coming to us. But for the world's not the end, there has to be some stable land that can fight and defeat this. And that, my friends, is the United States of America. The president won't say ISIS. He only says ISIL. Because ISIL means the region of Israel to be Islam, where ISIS doesn't include the land of Israel. Why does that president do that? You discern it if you got truth. Because what I'm going to leave you with is truth. Dear children, also today I call you in this time of grace to pray for little Jesus to be born in your heart. May he who is peace itself give peace to the entire world through you. Therefore, little children, pray without ceasing for this turbulent world without peace so that you may become witnesses of peace for all. May hope begin to flow through your hearts as a river of grace. Thank you for having responded to my call. I wish you, Our Lady. I love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomic show with a friend of Medjugorje. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.